Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. It is January the 2nd. I want to I want to first say Happy New Year to you. Uh, I look back on Coast View. The last, uh, we started this show in January of 2020. It's amazing to me. So, so much time has passed, but what a what a what a wonderful ride it's been. Kyle and I and Cami, uh, the work that we've done to to bring to you over 800 conversations. It's amazing to me that there's been that many conversations. But as I said so many times on the show, as a publisher of the newspaper, you know, I never had the chance to just sit down and spend an hour with someone or even get prepared to have an hour long conversation so I could have deep, deep discussions with people who are making a difference in this community. And this has been a gift to me in retirement, the opportunity to to do this show. And I hope it's making a difference. I get a lot of good feedback from people um, that who who pay close attention to the show from young people, from leaders in the community. I I talk, uh, you know, about stalwart leaders all the time. Those people that you can always depend on to get things done. There are so many wonderful stalwart leaders in this community. But Coast View is about that. It's about celebrating coastal Mississippi and its finest through the people, entrepreneurs and leaders, and both in the private sector and the public sector, nonprofit leaders. It's a great opportunity to really see what it takes to make a community like coastal Mississippi tick. And, uh, you know, we've done well through the pandemic. And now as we look toward a new year, you know, I, I hope and pray that everyone has a terrific new year. And I want to just say Happy New Year to you. I couldn't think of a better person to to join me for this show today than Jamie Miller, the new CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. We had him on a few weeks ago, but I, I wanted to have him back since he's been in the chair for a few weeks and to reflect a bit on sort of where he is as it relates to the Business Council and, you know, where we're going. So anyway, without any further ado, let me say good morning to you, my friend. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. I'm assuming you're in your office now at the at the Business Council? Yeah, I'm in the office now. I'm, uh, you know, we we relocated uh, during the pandemic to a different office within the Knight Center, and so um, still, you know, shuffling a few desks around. But yeah, I, I show up here every day, and you know, also get out and visit with people. But yeah, this is uh, this is where I'm at. The Knight Center. I had the honor of being chair of the of the of the Knight. Uh, foundation uh, local committee, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously in the weeks, you know, the day before Katrina, but obviously after Katrina, the the Knight Foundation through our friend Alberto Ibargo and my dear friend, he's been on the coast view many times, made over $3 million worth of investments in coastal Mississippi, one of which was a substantial investment to help form the Knight Center. We had this vision for this thing, and I had you know, traveled and seen some similar similar, similar uh, uh, centers like it in other communities. But, you know, we realized our goal, didn't we, when we sent, brought these nonprofits together and housed them in one place so that, so that you guys could intermingle and the opportunity for you to have synergies for the, for the volunteer leadership to be involved. It's a great center, isn't it? 
Well, it is. And, and coming back the second time to the Knight Center, uh, I had worked here briefly uh, during the Katrina recovery. Uh, and I don't think we fully appreciated how, uh, what a lack of capacity we had within our nonprofits before Katrina. And then to walk in this building now and see the Gulf Coast Community Foundation and the Chamber and Goodwill and the Business Council, United Way, uh, there are many others. And I, it's a beehive of activity. There's not a day I walk in. Uh, when there's not a uh, some type of session, a group session going on, or people coming in and out of the building, uh, we have without question benefited from the uh, clustering or kind of centralizing uh, these nonprofits here at the center. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting it was an interesting sort of you know there were many goals of the early days of the business council, but when we were when we were together and we were talking about all the things we had to do, and man, the list was long. Because you know when we when we did the governor's commission report, it had in there uh, some really substantial goals around infrastructure, for example, and tourism, and what we needed to do there, and all these things. But but there were a lot of thoughts about you know how do we begin to establish strategically where we go from here. Of course, the business council was born out of that. This this uh, this thought that hey look, all of us sitting at this table, we are we are we are on these foundation boards, we're on the United Way board, we're on the all these different boards. And uh, these places don't have places now. What are we going to do about it? And then one thing led to another. Harris came through tr- dramatically as they were doing some corporate reorganizations that provided the building. And then we had to go raise the money to to build, you know, to build that building out. But um, but it's am- it's amazing to to look back now to see that it all came together. It all came together in magical ways. And the synergies of it today. Are contributing in ways we can't even fully appreciate today. I mean, I'm, what I mean is that somebody, two different people, maybe at two different boards, and suddenly they just yeah. pass in the hallway and they're volunteer leaders and they strike up a conversation. And who knows how that how, how that has affected us in positive ways going forward? You've seen it. You see it almost every day, don't you? Yeah, I see it. I, you know, I walk in the building. I may run into. Uh, Kristen Duhay or Roger Wilder from the Community Foundation or Adele Lyons with the with the Chamber. Uh, they just want to share an idea or maybe I've got a thought or something I've been thinking about. And uh, it's almost like a work environment. You know, you, you gather around the water cooler and you're kind of sharing ideas or things that are, are uh, otherwise you, you wouldn't have those conversations. And so it, we take it for granted, but it's without question there's a benefit. We've we've got a little mic problem. When we get to the next break, we'll take a look at it to see if we can uh, we can correct that. But we can hear you fine, Jamie, and we'll we'll uh, we'll continue to to drive forward. How's it been now? You've been at you've been in when we met last. You haven't even sort of you haven't even really landed in the spot yet, and you had a very very significant goal to to go out and not assume you know anything. Just just a, a, assume. That you've got everything to learn. You knew a lot already, obviously, because you've been working closely with the business council over a bunch of years. But your goal was to listen, to go out and talk to the CEOs. Man, I am so thrilled that Carrie Wilkinson is going to be your next chairman from Ingalls. What a terrific leader she is. But again, I've said this before. We've said it before, that you have a dream team on your board. And uh, when you've got leadership like Carrie, man, you you almost can't fail, can you? <laughs> Well, yes. Uh, when I was having to go through uh, talking with William Yates uh, about who our next chairman would be, thinking about who, you know, the possibilities, uh, obviously Kerry was at the top of the list, but 
uh, I was almost not intimidated to ask her, but she she carries such a load already at the shipyard. You you don't want to uh, task or ask her to be a part of something that she you know she doesn't have time to do. Uh, but I got on a phone call with her. I, I just asked her. I said, "Listen, I want you to consider being our next chairman." And without hesitation, she said yes. Uh, but uh, with and as I get to know Carrie better, the one thing that keeps standing out is she just does not uh, tells everything a hundred percent. So. There, there's no, um, uh, she wants to be involved in every meeting. Uh, she wants to be involved in the conversation. She wants to, uh, you know, get out of my way and let me do things we need to do, at, you know, at the council. Uh, so I, I couldn't be more happy that she said yes, and it's going to be great for the for the. Yeah, I think about leaders along the coast, many of whom I've talked to on the show, but you think about Jerry St. Pay and John Harrison and George Slogel and people like you know, some of the younger leaders that are that are coming on strong like Jonathan Jones and again you could just name so many wonderful leaders but what i came to appreciate about about asking busy people to be involved or take leadership roles in the community was that if you want something done find a busy person to ask cuz they already understand how to compartmentalize and they already have tremendous leadership skills they already know how to delegate and they already know how to reach goals. And Carrie, you, you know, she you described her well. I mean, she's got a lot going on. But at the end of the day, she's a terrific leader. I look forward to having her on Coastview to tell her amazing story. But um, but man, what a what a benefit it is to have someone of that statue as the new chairman of the business council. Yeah, there's. It's going to reflect positively on us in Jackson and D.C. And uh, the, the council already carries a lot of weight. Uh, but having that level of a leader uh, taking uh, that role as chairman, uh, it just speaks volume to, to, to what the business council will be able to do in the future. Uh, and so I intend to, you know, as much as she wants to get involved, we're going to get her involved. And so far, she's not said no to a single a meeting or phone call or anything. So yeah, that's amazing. Well, you know, I could say the same thing about William Yates and John Harrison and a long list of other chairmen, past chairmen. There's just a history of great chairman for the business council. And the one the thing that makes the business council work, as you and I discussed before, is that you know what happens when you have an organization like the business council form, CEOs get involved initially, and then over time it starts to get passed down to you know first and second lieutenants. And you lose the 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 focus that having CEOs involved uh, can give you. Well, Throughout the history of the business council, we've just not let that happen. The you know, CEO participation and leadership has been the name of the game from day one. And it has to be because this is a regional organization that's uh, that's that's sort of saying grace over the economic engine for the state of Mississippi. And it means that on so many fronts, and we'll get into some of those here shortly, on so many fronts, the Business Council has to be successful because there's not another regional organization in coastal Mississippi like it. It's representing the three coastal counties of Mississippi and frankly beyond. So you're speaking on issues that are important to Mississippi for that matter. So, so when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jamie Miller, the CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. And we'll start to break down what some of those issues are. We'll see you after this. Live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're visiting with uh, my friend Jamie Miller. Uh, we spent a, uh, an hour with Jamie a few weeks ago. He's the new CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. He's been on the ground now for a few weeks. And... Um, We've got a long list of things to talk about, but you know, Jamie, as I was mentioning earlier, as you could get around and listen to people, it's uh, it's got to be great reinforcement to hear people talk about uh, the role they believe the business council should play in the community. Yes, uh, I think generally the the tone is very positive. Uh, the folks that I met with, some elected officials, some uh, industry representatives, but there's also a real pent up demand for for wanting to to know. <laughs> more about what our future looks like. I think uh, part of that's just the national economy, uh, what our future is there, uh, and then at the state level, what's going on in Jackson. And so I think one thing that, that really resonated was this need for uh, what I'm referring to is like communicating those economic metrics or data uh, that can be pushed out uh, to our membership to kind of give them a sense of uh, what do sales tax collections look like this year compared to last year or gaming revenue or even uh, unemployment, uh, you know, inflation obviously has been a big cloud over the, the country and, you know, where are we headed in that regard? Uh, I think they want to be not reassured, at least with some data and some transparency about what's happening at the national level, the state level. And then what does that mean for the Gulf Coast? How do we respond to that? Uh, you know, what, what, what is the right um, reaction to those things that are happening sometimes out of our control? Yeah, I think, you know, what's interesting about that in the Business Council, has at times actually done a good job with with that data collecting, and um, and, and it's not easy to do. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to grab there. But I think creating sort of a scorecard, not necessarily a score scorecard for the business council, right. but a scorecard for our region that really details how are we doing as it relate as it relates to like for example average average pay. How are we doing as it relates to unemployment? Where are the challenges and where are the opportunities as it relates to the jobs that are available in coastal Mississippi? How are our biggest industries doing? And if you think about, of course, Ingalls on one side, and now you've got Kerry Wilkinson as the chairman of the business council, who's president of Ingalls, and then you've got Stennis and all those partners and blue chip industries that are part of Stennis. And how is how is hospitality doing? How's the gaming industry doing? What are the challenges that they're going to be facing going forward, not only from an economic point of view, but from a competitive point of view? How do we stay aligned in this state around making sure that regulations are manageable and that taxes don't go out of you know whack for, for casinos and so on that keeps this market competitive? But there's a lot to measure. There's a lot to think about, isn't there? There is. And, um, you know, what, what I hope to do, you mentioned the scorecard, which I think is maybe a good way to, to think about it, is some routine frequency of just some maybe maybe five or so metrics that, that people are generally curious about. Now, within an industry, you know, the gaming industry is paying close attention to the things that make make their uh, business work. Same thing with bankers and financial institutions. But I think there's a there's another group of CEOs that are, you know, in housing and insurance and, and other um, uh, industries that, that, that are, want to know kind of month to month, quarter to quarter, even week to week, kind of how are we stacking up against the Pensacolas or Baton Rouge or Memphis or other places around us? I mean, uh, it, it's just one element. It's, 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 not, uh, it's, it's, it's not everything we need to be communicating, but I think it's one element that I'd like to reinstitute uh, to kind of give people a sense of, 
of how we're doing. Um, there's other other things as it relates to you know, Jackson, what's going on in Jackson, what's important statewide that may be potentially impacting the Gulf Coast. I think we're going to do a, a good job this year of trying to stay on top of that and paying attention and be present in Jackson. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Jackson. Um, there's a there's so many different roles a business council can play, certainly communicating with the business community, keeping the business community aligned and together so that you can listen and think about the future. There's a strategic role to say, okay, look, Economic development is changing in the years ahead. There's a new economy. How do we best take advantage of that new economy? How do we align the the legislative agenda, our legislative agenda, with the legislature's agenda in a way that helps Coastal Mississippi shine and have success? Because and when I say economic engine for the state, we're not down here in a vacuum creating economic activity for ourselves. The economic activity we're creating helps help Mississippi succeed. It's important for us to be able to align our goals, our successes, and make sure that the legislature, all of them, whether they're from North Mississippi or, or coastal Mississippi, understand that our success is their success. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's something you just because you you came from the Mississippi Development Authority, you've had different roles in your career, but man, you can't communicate too much, can you? <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, there's other regions of the state that are also, uh, you know, trying to get their voice heard on certain needs. Uh, when it comes to state resources and finances. Um, but look, everybody that I encountered in Jackson had a very favorable view of the coast, generally speaking. Uh, they recognized the economic power of the coast, uh, tourism, gaming, uh, military, shipbuilding, stennis. I mean, it's just a whole host of things that, that we that we uh, that we offer. Um, but when it comes to the finite recess resources that they have, you know, uh, you, you've got to you've got to make the business case, continue to make the business case for why investments on the coast make sense. Uh, there are other parts of the state that clearly have needs, and uh, and we want to we, we want to help those areas grow as well. But uh, you're right; if you're not present, if you're if you're not communicating, uh, you could get lost quickly in the crowd. You could, I, you know, I think about uh, the Golden Triangle. We've had we've had uh, representatives from the Economic Development Organization there on, and you know, there there are a lot of you know. You think of the coast. If you if you only get focused on the coast, you can forget that other regions of the state are doing extraordinarily well, and they have their needs too, and they are also economic engines. And it just means we've got to really have our act together. That essentially, that's what it means, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. And it's not um, uh, it goes past politics to me. It, it, it you know, it, it, it's the data. It's the business case. Uh, I mean, politics always play a role in, in, in some level for sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, you want to you want to have a message that's aligned with with information that's accurate, uh, that has uh, that has a persuasive and, and return on investment. Um, so that, you know, you build credibility that way, frankly. I mean, if you go up there and ask for things that, uh, you know, don't pan out the way you, you sold them, then, you know, you can quickly lose credibility. So I think it's also important never to go ask for something that's uh, unnecessary or not in your best interest because they don't, they don't forget that either. So as you think about the upcoming legislative session, it's, uh, it really helped you to have spent some time at the MDA I mean, you that that gave you some terrific insights, didn't it? 
It did. I, you know, and I did government affairs and legislative affairs work at MDA. So I was in the Capitol a lot. Uh, you know, there's a frankly, there's a handful of chairmen uh, on committees that can make a huge difference in your success. And obviously the leadership at Lieutenant Governor and the speaker and our governor. Uh, but all those folks want to make good decisions and they need information and data to do that. So uh, I think it, it, it certainly enlightened me into the to the sense that uh, you can set up the meetings, but you got to have, uh, you know, uh, your elevators pitch or, you know, your one pager that kind of lays out the issue quickly uh, and then let them ask questions. I mean, they're smart people for the most part. They're going to ask questions uh, and you got to be able to be prepared to give that information to them. Yeah, I've got I, have, I wrote um, I wrote a year or so ago that I wish the big three, the speaker, the lieutenant governor, the governor would uh, communicate more and work closer together. Yeah, there's been signs more recently that they're doing that. Um, but you know whether whether they do it the way that I want them to do it or not, the tr the reality is they're all three very focused on economic development, and they're very focused on helping the economic engines of our state stay healthy. I mean, that's there's no question about that. And the other point is they're smart as hell. They understand the numbers. Um, they they'll outwork all of us. They 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 really will burn the midnight oil to do what's best for this state. And when you've got a setup like that, it it bodes well for us, really. At the end of the day, as long as we make our arguments soundly and as you said, you know, data based, we we have a good opportunity to to, to succeed, even with competition from other regions. Yeah. Now, I, the approach to me is to, to go in with sound, good information, uh, but have an awareness of politics. The other thing you get caught up in in Jackson and in other places is uh, the context by which you're asking something. Timing is everything. Uh, you know, one week to the next, um, asking for something in Jackson can look a lot different. So I think that goes to the presence of being in Jackson and kind of constantly communicating with folks that are in the Capitol. Uh, but you know, it, it's they call it sausage making for a reason. It, it, you know, it's it's part science, part you know art. Uh, but uh, I think our, our goal is to communicate a uh, you know a, a plan to our coastal delegation and then share that constantly uh, share that same message. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we're going to talk about Stennis Space Center, the cyber initiative, you know, the FEMA flood map. We probably may not get to everything, and we'll just pick it up on the other side in, in our future conversations. There's, there's a lot to focus on. We'll see you after this break. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm pleased to have my friend Jamie Miller, who's the CEO of the Coast Business Council. And, uh, you know, I was privileged to be at that table 
when we formed the Gulf Coast Business Council. And uh, man, there was such a clarion call for a regional organization, especially in the wake of Katrina. But you don't have to have a Katrina to understand that there's a lot to say grace over in building a strong community. And if you don't have a, a regional organization composed of the top CEOs of the, of the region focused on making sure that we're thinking about what's best for this region going forward, then uh, you're going to miss some opportunities. And and as I've said so many other times, if you whether it's regions of the state or regions of the South or regions of the nation, they are all focused, very focused to do a good job. I, one of the one that I've mentioned, Jamie, is when I was in Alabama and you worked with us for a short period of time during the oil recovery efforts when I was over there. But I was always a little bit, well, no, I was extremely impressed. We we I had responsibility for the Huntsville newspaper in Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville is as much sort of a suburb of Tennessee than it was part of Alabama. But man, when you think about the the work that they were doing in Huntsville. You know, high tech work that they're doing in Huntsville, and the way when they said that we're going to go, we're going to say the group of 100 are going to go to Washington D.C. for what's best for for Huntsville. A hundred people went. I mean, they were so freaking aligned, um, and that's our competition. That's the you know these, these folks that have their act together regionally and know what their goals are, and they pursue those goals with dogged determination. That's what our business council has to do, isn't it, Jamie? That's right. Uh, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the power and the, the, the uh, persuasion, I guess, that we hold is that, you know, these CEOs of these industries that are vested in coastal Mississippi, uh, you know, they have over 50,000 employees. Uh, they, they have a great say in how we move forward. Uh, and so it's important for them to be at the table in one voice when we have to go to Jackson or D.C., um, there's no question there. When we show up in those numbers, we, 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 they listen. You know, I can't help when I think about Stennis Space Center and the history of Stennis Space Center and the role that Leo Seal and so many other of our most important leaders uh, played in that. The, the wisdom of creating that buffer zone that became sort of this competitive advantage for, for Stennis, way, way beyond the testing facility, which is obviously incredibly important, but this collection of both governmental and industry partners that we have there, literally blue chip industries that are at Stennis. What, what do you, when you think about the future of Stennis, what do you think about you know, the, the future of, of spaceflight is changing and has changed with the onset of commercial spaceflight like SpaceX, Blue Origin, uh, you know, many others that you, you see. Uh, and I think NASA's pivoting in that direction as well. The Artemis launch that just occurred at Kennedy, you know, those rockets were tested at Stennis. Uh, there'll be another round of testing. Uh, but the horizon is, is changing. And I think that same... Uh, initiative and same focus that it took, you know, 40 or 50 years ago to get Stennis and the buffer zone created, we, we've got to re, uh, realign and shape what the next 50 years looks like. And so to me, that's, been, you know, I've been meeting with partners for Stennis. I've been meeting, uh, we, while I was at MDA, we met with the Office of Military Affairs, the, the leadership at NASA. Uh, I think everybody realizes that the future of Stennis could be bright. It should be bright. Uh, but we're going to have to reimagine what the next 50 years looks like in a sense because it's a federal city. You've got a lot of Department of Defense folks there with the Navy. Uh, you've got a handful of uh, different agencies uh, that we don't want to lose. In fact, we want to grow that mission and we want to grow the, uh, the, the, the activity out there. But it, 
uh, and I'm happy to say that, you know, working with the Office of Military Affairs, we've got, we're proposing some legislation this year that would actually create the Office of Space and Technology, which we think would be a precursor uh, to some more focused alignment with what happens statewide as it relates to commercial space flight, but certainly at Stennis. Well, when I when I had the opportunity to do the the keynote address for the One Coast Awards this year, you know, well, I quoted Jerry St. Pay. Most people know Jerry, but former CEO of Ingalls and just a consummate community leader. That one of our one of our biggest challenges in coastal Mississippi is to fight complacency, and that is this thought that these, the, you know, Chevron and Ingalls and these blue chip industries you were just talking about that are part of sort of that that federal mission at Stennis are always going to be there, and we cannot assume that. I mean, we can never assume that, and we have to be we have to be incredibly proactive. The other thing is that we just have to. We have to fight the gravity toward mediocrity. People like the status quo. That's, I mean, that's just the reality of the world. People, they get comfortable in the status quo. But we have to be brave. We have to set higher goals. We have to be aware of how things are going to be changing in three, five, ten years from now, especially as it relates to, to space flight, which you just pointed out. But, um, you know, shipbuilding, same kind of thing. I mean, I mean, we've got we've got one of the best shipbuilding facilities in the, in, in the world. Um, how do we make sure it stays that? How do we make sure that it continues to to contribute in the way that it's contributing today? And, and what can it do even more so in the future? Chevron. What Chevron is one of the most important refineries in the United States. Mm-hmm. One of the most important. How do we make sure that it stays there? Um, how do we how do we contribute to that? But you know, fighting complacency, staying focused on the future, helping people know that we're not infallible. I mean, there, there, there are all kinds of challenges that could eat away at us, and before we know it, we've lost some of our some of our luster, and we're, we're moving in the wrong direction. That's why you have to think strategically, isn't it, Jamie? It is. I mean, I, you know, it's important to remember even the the agencies, NASA, uh, Department of Defense, Navy, their missions are changing. The world is evolving and, and they've got to be prepared for that changing world. And so if we're not moving with them, if we're not listening to them, if we're not giving them the resources and, and the capability to continue to do what they do, uh, then then that's on us. And so uh, part of this is, is listening to NASA and the, the Stennis leadership. It's it's listening to uh, uh, partners for Stennis, uh, Hancock Port and Harbor, who all kind of have, have benefited from that area. Uh, and then, as you said, not being complacent. Let's let's go build what the next 20, 50 years looks like. But let's not uh, let's not wait and be reactive to what could happen. Let's let's be proactive. You know, great. I got another great example. I had the opportunity to spend some time with Mary Graham, president of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College recently, one of the top community college systems, certainly Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, one of the top in the entire nation. And they're that, and they are that because of what you and I are talking about now. They're very focused on listening to the industrial partners to make sure they have the kind of programs they need. Over 50% of their programs today are, are non-traditional education. The evolution is fast when you listen. A great example of that, actually, is the um, uh, Mississippi Cyber Initiative and, and the, the partnership that around that and the role that Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College is playing there. But, I mean, that, that's a great example, and there are many more like it if we just uncover them. Yeah, the Mississippi Cyber Initiative is something that uh, kind of uh, came to being a few years ago. Uh, the Gulf Coast Community College and Mississippi State and USM all immediately saw the, the, the need and kind of uh, rallied around this effort. Uh, 
we hope to now, I mean, the, the goal is to, to construct a cyber center on base at Keesler Air Force Base where Keesler trains airmen in cybersecurity. Uh, there's nothing in our world that's not impacted by cybersecurity. It is, it is uh, nationally, locally, state at every level, at your home computer. Uh, so that, that's thinking forward and trying to train a workforce and attracting industry and a workforce uh, with something that will be with us for you know, the foreseeable future. And it's happening right now. I mean, it's, uh, uh, as you said, Mary Graham and her staff at, at the community colleges, uh, community college have embraced it. Uh, we're going to take another step, hopefully, uh, here in the next year or two, and, and, and it'll be another uh, something that we'll we'll look back, hopefully, in ten years from now, five years from now, and say, you know, uh, this didn't have to happen, but because of some proactive people and some focused attention, uh, we now have the you know, kind of a center of excellence for cybersecurity. Well, as you know, one of the one of the major recommendations when I was in Alabama leading the oil recovery planning efforts there was to form a regional organization in Alabama, which was was ultimately formed. I served, uh, I was honored to serve as its first chairman. But as part of the evolution of that organization was to create a PAC, and I have been really, really <coughs> aggressive in saying that the business council needs to do the same thing. They need a they need a PAC, a, a political action committee separate from the business council that can that can help us find the best candidates and help support the best candidates for coastal Mississippi. Is there any action happening in that, in that area? Yes, uh, actually, you know, when I came on board, uh, the decision at the executive committee had been made that, that the business council would form a PAC. And so, but I was uh, able to shepherd that process through. And as recently as, you know, a few weeks ago, we filed our paperwork with the secretary of state. So they're uh, at least on paper, there is a Gulf Coast Business Council political action committee. Now we have to go do the work of uh, organizing around the board and raising money and, uh, you know, thinking about how we want to uh, evaluate candidates, what races we want to get involved with. But this this pack is focused at a state level and a county level. Uh, and so races that would occur, you know, statewide or locally uh, or at a county level, we would participate in potentially if we could choose to. I'm thrilled to hear it. I'm thrilled to hear it because this is uh, its a really powerful extension of this regional effort. And you've got people in the know, extraordinarily smart people who can uh, help sort of, you know, clear candidates, so to speak. Make sure the candidates understand what the needs of this community are and that we're supporting the best candidates who who see their mission, who understand their mission. I'm, I'm excited about that. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jamie Miller from the Gulf Coast Business Council. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View, the final segment on um, this new year. A great show to have with Jamie Miller from the Gulf Coast Business Council talking about how we're getting our act together as a region to be able to take advantage of opportunities as we go forward. And, uh, you know, I, Jamie, I know this is a lot like drinking from a fire hose, but again, your work after Katrina, you know, again, I got to see you in action over in Alabama. Your work, you know, with uh, marine resources, your work at MDA, you know, you're you're ready for this job. And so while you may still feel like you're drinking from a fire hose, you have laid a wonderful foundation that helps put everything in perspective, haven't you? Y yes, I feel uh, really good about 
you know, uh, identifying what needs to occur and kind of the order. Uh, I think probably where my learning curve is coming back in is just uh, coming from a large agency with a lot of staffing to a, uh, you know, a smaller agency with just one or two or three of us. Uh, I have to manage kind of the expectations of timelines and how quickly and uh, prioritize. You know, there's there's probably a list of 20 things that I want to see done. Uh, probably need to take the first five or so of those most important things and tackle first. Uh, so I think that's been my adjustment is is the excitement and the and identifying where the opportunities are, but at the same time, uh, managing expectations about, you know, how quickly we can move in some regards. Because what I don't want to do is do something quickly and do it poorly. Uh, I want to make sure we, we make time to do what we're going to do well uh, so that it's received well and it's of quality. So. Uh, that's probably where I'm struggling the most is trying to not go too fast and lose some of the quality of the efforts and initiatives that we're trying to take on. And there may, there may be some innovative ways for you to do that. I mean, one of the things we did after Katrina is we, we worked hard to tap into really capable leaders who could lead task force for us, and then they would draw upon their resources and the resources of the people on the committee to to achieve that goal. But even under those circumstances, as you well know, it still has to be shepherded by someone on your team. And there are so many, you could, you could put 20 task force together right now, focused on various agendas, but you, somebody still got to say grace on keeping it organized and bringing it together. So I know it's a tough, it's a tough job, but you, you guys will do a good job. I think at prioritizing what you need to do. You know, the other thing that, the other thing that I said at that one coast award, uh, 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 speech when I had the opportunity to do that is that leadership development is so critical. You know, the master's programs played just an amazingly important role in helping people understand sort of the the power and opportunities and challenges of our region, hasn't it? Yes. And as I've learned more about how effective and kind of what an impact this program has had, you know, even the last few weeks, I've had a few people call me and said, hey, when, when can I submit my master's uh, program application? Uh, we took a, a, I think we took a, a quick uh, break during the pandemic, uh, but I've had one opportunity to meet with a current master's class, and it's um, it's like getting your battery recharged. I mean, you sit with these these what I refer to as younger leaders uh, that are so energetic and and bought in to trying to to develop uh, proposals and a, and a path forward because they see their future. It's it's part of where they see them and their families, their companies. Uh, and they, they get a chance to kind of get outside of the coast, go to some other areas that have had success, kind of uh, compare, bring, bring back some ideas that maybe had not been thought about. And then, you know, face some of the realities and challenges of trying to implement uh, something here on the Gulf Coast. But I can tell you, uh, just if you want to go back and look at some really great papers and, and, and ideas that have been developed through the master's program, you know, on our website, we've, we've archived all those previous presentations and programs, and they've tackled some of the most, you know, challenging issues and come up with uh, practical solutions. Now, we do all of them get implemented, not immediately, but, uh, but it becomes a resource in an archive, almost like a think tank of sorts, where uh, people that are serious about those types of issues, you know, a lot of the research and homework's been done. It's a, it's incredible. It really is. And you look at you look at the list, and I often say when I look at the list of master's program participants, that's the, that person hasn't gone through it yet. Yeah, <laughs> because there, you know, there's some really, really, really capable leaders that are going through the program. 
you know, some CEOs just, as you pointed out, some really smart young people that are coming along. But, you know, the opportunity to put all them in that room and let them sort of collectively challenge one another and and smartly think about the, the challenges that we have as a community and and get and sort of uh, the I think the other thing is to put again to put their regional glasses on to to see how the dots connect and why it's important for for us to certainly certainly appreciate the diversity of our region that's that's clearly one of the things that make this such a special place but you know when it when it all comes together in this place we call coastal mississippi and um you know making having leaders understand the big picture of it all man that's like really important it is and it's another thing that i think continues to to serve the coast i mean uh, the alumni we're, we're thinking right now about getting the alumni of these previous masters programs together and kind of bringing them back together i mean it's it's something that stays with them it stays uh, as their career grows as they continue to get involved in different capacities that that mindset that different approach to, to solving problems never goes away and it, it, it benefits all of us well, Jamie, when we come back in uh, in a couple of weeks and chat, we'll talk about the FEMA flood map revision efforts that are underway. A lot, a lot of uh, challenges there. Some GCRF uh, investments, the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund, which is incredibly important to us, and there are several other things that we need to still talk about. But we're out of time today. Happy New Year to you, man! Uh, congratulations on hitting the ground running. Yeah, Happy New Year. Thank you. You bet. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.